Welcome to the very first episode of Truest Times. In this podcast, I am going to gather information from multiple sources and look at different perspectives of humanity's most asked questions. Grab some coffee, get comfy, because we are going on a ride through Darwinism, the theory of evolution, survival of the fittest, and Hollywood. Let's start with a broad overview of Darwinism. What what is it? Wikipedia says Darwinism is a theory of biological evolution developed by Charles Darwin that all species of organisms arise and develop through natural selection of small inherited variations that increase the individual's ability to compete, survive, and reproduce. Now, it is Wikipedia, and you have to take a step back and realize that it is almost free range on who is allowed to edit such information. That being said, I want to get into the differing perspectives on Darwinism. First, there is that perspective on social Darwinism that it is ever-existing. In the article, What Exactly is Social Darwinism?, published by History.com, edited by Amanda Onion, Missy Sullivan, and Matt Mullen, social Darwinists believe in survival of the fittest. The idea that certain people become powerful in society because they are innately better goes on to say how it's been used to justify imperialism, racism, eugenics, and social inequality. I mean, this was something we were taught in schools, at least I was, and usually in a positive light. But let's bring it back to the justifications of social Darwinism's existence. They're very negative. And what does it exactly mean? Who in history used imperialism, racism, eugenics, and social inequality as a basis of Darwinian thought? Well, I don't know if you know this, but practically every historical leader since the mid-18th century. First, you have a guy named Herbert Spencer. He was uh, popularized in the Industrial Revolution for laissez-faire economics, or capitalism that is unrestrained. He wanted businesses to operate with little to no regulation from the government, and he opposed any law that could potentially help the poor, lower class, or anyone he believed were genetically weak. This included people born with disabilities, or even just into poverty. He argued that these kind of laws would go against evolution, and the unfit would be allowed to stay alive, resulting in weak gene pools, and thus a weak civilization. He's not the only one. You know who William Graham Sumner is? Well, he was an American Yale professor that believed welfare was wrong and that competition through various professions was needed to eliminate the weak and immoral. I, I encourage you guys to go check out his book. Uh, it's, what, it's titled, What the Social Classes Owe Each Other. You can buy it on Amazon for like $20. Anyways, Really, the basis of the book is that people who are rich work the hardest, and people who are poor don't. Now, on a small scale, that holds merit. But, personally, growing up around impoverished areas, you have some lazy people, of course, but most of the folks in the areas of poverty were born into it, and they work hard as hell for what they have. And that has to deal, at least the poverty, along with a multitude of other things, that the government's role in all of this 
keeps the poverty alive. That's where you got the, get the idea, the idea of the 1%. Because frankly, the ideologies of many rich people is that they did their time and they are allowed to have greed and that they are superior to the middle to lower class. This happens all around the world. I encourage you guys to read the article by Don Fitz. It's titled, Inside the Psyche of the 1%, How Many Actually Believe Their Ideology of Greed Makes for a Better World. End quote. I think the title is self-explanatory. On another note, what about eugenics? Well, uh, if you're like me, you thought eugenics was a male enhancement drug. And that is actually Nugenics is the name for that. Um, but eugenics was a term coined by Sir Francis Galton. He was also the second cousin of Darwin. And Galton is famous, or rather infamous, for proposing that humankind would successfully grow stronger if the British took over. Among his arguments was that he believed welfare agencies and insane asylums purposely kept the seed of inferiority existing and that the wealthy were outnumbered, which, with them being the quote-unquote 1%, they definitely were. Outnumbered, I mean. But American culture has been taking part in eugenics since the 1930s when those competitions like the most beautiful baby uh, got popular. I mean, in today's standards, that is exactly what beauty pageants are used for, crowning the most beautiful person in the competition and, dare I say, forcing the losers to become prettier. Talk about low self-esteem. But by far, the most famous, and again infamous, eugenics, I don't know, connoisseur, is Adolf Hitler. He began reading about social Darwinism and eugenics implementation while in prison in the 1920s. At the very same time was when America was having the socio-economical boom also known as the Roaring Twenties. That's also a big feminist movement. It's, it's amazing. But during this time, this is when one of the most infamous human beings in our history was gathering information on eugenics. And obviously, at least I hope, you know the story of Nazi Germany and the, and the death to non-Aryans aspect of, of, that, of that lifestyle and how they promoted blonde hair and blue-eyed individuals as pure. And can we just talk about how Adolf Hitler had brown hair and brown eyes? Anyways, his implementations of survival of the fittest was what led us into World War II. You can find these, these same implementations in Napoleon Bonaparte's French army, and also in, in, uh, oh, what's the guy's name? Uh, in, uh, Genghis Khan. Even, even though Genghis Khan is way before Darwin's time, it's, it's, it was just that aspect of, of, uh, self-preservation. But on another note, where is Hollywood in all of this? Well... After World War II, the OSS was transformed under the Truman administration into the CIA. And as a precursor to the CIA, the OSS, in one of their memos, 
they were doing a study on the American public on the use of motion pictures as a guise of psychological warfare. In other words, the OSS, or the pre-CIA, was using cinema to alter the thinking of Americans. Quote-unquote, they can be aimed at the civilians and the members of the armed forces for the United States to inform and instruct, to create attitudes, to stimulate or inhibit action, and to build morale. The key words to me in that statement are to build morale. Pretty much what it's saying, at least from me, is that the CIA funnels information into Hollywood Hollywood distributes it through their movies, and it aids in the control of human consciousness. Call me crazy, I get it. But I encourage complete skepticism with all of this information. In the age of research, by all means, debunk every statement and argument displayed by me and my future colleagues. I want you to look this one up. The Motion Picture Alliance for the Preservation of American Ideals. February 9th, 1944. See, it's a document from the FBI, and from those recruited as the heads of the plan was none other than Walt Disney. I won't go into very much detail, but it was an established group to make sure to check what information they wanted to have funneled into American culture. And really, with with all of the aspects of social Darwinism, it all comes down to control. Controlling the environment at which individuals remain not as successful and and thus inferior as far as social Darwinism goes and and guide their skepticism by putting groups in social classes at odds with one another. I mean, that's exactly what our political system in, in the United States is. Why are we always at odds with one another? You know, why is it always Democrats versus Republicans? What's the point? But that might be on another episode. So really, I I just, I just want, I encourage all of you to do your research. Um, Don't always listen to news stations because the truth is, is they are guided by individuals with biased agendas. And of course, we're all a little biased. That's just a human trait. But Taking information from biased sources leads to biased thoughts and the way you live your life. So again, I just encourage complete concentration on the information that you're being fed and make sure to do the research on that information, just as I did. And and just as I hope you do the research on the information that I've done research on, you know, because it's awesome to be skeptical question everything. Anyways, that's it for episode one. If you liked it, be sure to follow. If you hated it, show your friends. They might hate it too, but they just might enjoy it. All right, I'm out.